this is our our first time doing this but we're excited if you saw our setup here uh, you'd probably laugh but that's okay we'll take some pictures and probably post those later and thank you to ethan who's letting us use his ipad appreciate it bud thank you to to chris and Brittany being up here and um helping make this work i'm excited about worshiping uh, virtually with you guys today and excited about uh, bringing the word to you so once we hit 10 30 which it looks like that's what we're hitting uh, hopefully people are logging on and you'll be able to join with us i'm going to look at psalm 54 as our call to worship today so we're going to begin this is what it says in psalm 54 oh god save me by your name and vindicate me by your might oh god hear my prayer Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. And I think that it is good for us to remember that God is our helper and he is the upholder. Some versions say the sustainer of our life, especially with all the uncertainties that we have going on. God is is a certainty his word never changes he's going to be with us he will continue to be with us and he will uphold us he will sustain us and he is our helper lord thanks for the opportunity to worship with you today thanks for us being able to gather even if it's from a distance here we all gathered together online may you be glorified today lord through our worship and the preaching of your word we love you so much amen are we still going yeah, we're still going. Okay, we're still Give going. Give us a thumbs up, people, if we're still going. Yep. Or text us if it's gone. One, while we're mess pausing with that for a second. Yep, we're still live. We're, we're still good. live. Okay, it cool. It might be your internet Sorry, whoever lost that, but I appreciate you trying to let us know that. One, if I get any emails this week about worship being too loud... We have a serious problem, okay? Because you just needed to, like, turn it down on your phone or something like that, all right? So don't be sending me no emails this week. Um, hey, I want this to be, I want this to be interactive today. So post questions or comments. Pastor Justice will take some of those and send them over to me. If you don't have a Facebook login, you can text Justice directly. And I'll pause occasionally uh, throughout the sermon to address those questions okay so warm up those fingers get those questions coming once i once i start uh speaking on the biblical topic uh, my topic for today is called being imitators in uncertain times being imitators in uncertain times it's been an interesting seven days last week we were right here at liberty where i'm at and we met in person with some distance between us not really much physical contact and at that time the government was saying you couldn't have meetings of more than 250 people then within two to three days it went down to 50. we thought oh we're still safe uh, but then it went down to 10. in a few states uh, including illinois california new jersey and a couple others have ordered everyone to their homes for quarantine except for going out for essential necessities and now st louis just yesterday enacted a similar measure that goes into effect at midnight tonight. 
We've gone from five cases of the coronavirus in Missouri last week to 90 as of last night. And sadly, uh, we had our first death from the virus as well. So we find ourselves in interesting times. I mean, did you ever think it would come to a place where the government would order churches not to meet? I thought at some point we might get there. Uh, but I didn't imagine in my wildest dreams agreeing with them. So if I would have said to you a year ago, hey, in one year the government's going to tell churches they can't, can't assemble, you would have been like, no way, we're meeting, we're getting together. But I'm assuming the fact that none of you are here with me and none of you have emailed me any objections, you're also okay with, with the government taking those actions as I am for people's health and safety. It's indeed interesting times that we live in. Speak up a little more of this thing. Audio is low. Okay. It's indeed interesting times that we live in. Brothers and sisters, it is these very times that we must cling to what is true and cling to the one who is true. Because Jesus said, I'm the way and I am the truth and I am the life. So it makes sense for us to see what Jesus' word, we call it the word of God, to see what he has to say to us today. So, I want us to pause for a second. One, who is this letter written to? Because we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians, so why don't you turn there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Who is this letter written to? Now, I can't hear you responding, but I want you to respond verbally when I ask any questions today, whether you're by yourself or with others. So, who is it written to? Now, probably many of you said the Thessalonians, but more specifically, who is it written to? All right, are you, are you responding verbally? Because that's what I want. Who is it specifically written to? It's written specifically to the Thessalonian church. And I want you to understand this. God always, he always gives his word first and foremost to his church. Whether it's Israel in the Old Testament as the people of God, or believers in the New Testament as the people of God, God always gives his word first and foremost to his church. So church, are you listening? Because this is God's word that he wants to share first and foremost to his church. Now people say to me quite often, oh, I want God to speak to me. I want God to speak to me. You know, oh, if only God would speak to me. And then, and then Sunday comes rolling around, and lo and behold, they're not at church. Or lo and behold, they're at church, but they're not engaged. They're not listening. Their, their heart's not there. Or lo and behold, they're at church and engaged, but they put up a little wall of protection around their heart so God's word can't penetrate it. So, so let's be here now. Let's be here now. We're gathered. But let's also engage. But let's also, whatever we need, whatever wall of protection we've been trying to guard some things from the Lord. Let's just take that down. And let's be open to what he has to say to us today. Let's engage. Think about it for a moment. Why, why do we meet? Why have you taken the trouble today to, to log on to Facebook, to click the little link, to put up with the bad audio apparently that's going on, to look at me? I mean, unlike the NCAA or the NHL or the MLB or the NBA, like, what we do here is a little different. Uh, one, there's just one team. There's just one team. We're never rooting against someone. We're always rooting for someone. And that team 
is Team Jesus. Are you on his team? Now remember, I want you to respond verbally, all right? So are you on his team? Then put on the uniform of Team Jesus and get on the court and play by his rules. The difference between other activities and the Saints meeting together is you can put sports on hold, but you can't put church on hold. You can put school on hold, but you can't put church on hold. And let, let me say it this way. Uh, you can try to put the church on hold as a believer, but it's, it's not going to work well, right? Those other things can be paused, but you as a believer can continue to flourish spiritually. You pause church, it's not going to go well. Why? Because you need one another. You need community. Even if it's a virtual community for a time being, you also need the word being ministered to you. You also need to worship the Lord whether it's you with your family, you in your condo by yourself, you need to worship the Lord. But you're gathered with the saints. Everyone was singing the same song, following along. All right, so in this passage, I want us to see the overarching emphasis placed on being an imitator. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to pick it up in verse 4. It says this, For we know... Brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity today to preach. Thank you for the opportunity for people to listen. God, let your word do its work. And God, we pray for all the other churches across this nation, the vast majority having to, to figure something out in the last few days, throw something together, God. But they love you enough, and they have a heart for you enough that they want to still get together, whatever it might look like. So bless those churches for doing that, God. Bless our church for trying to pull something together here. Lord, let your word go forth clearly in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of this affliction, God. Turn people's hearts to you. Use it as a wake-up call for the church, for believers in the church, but also use it to awaken people's souls to you and to the shed blood of your son, Jesus God. Use this to bring people to know you, whether they're on their deathbed because of the virus, whether because of the anxiety that they might feel that they might get the virus, or just because they're surfing around on the net and run across one of the many online services going today. God, save people, we ask. We thank you for the privilege of having your word, and we ask 
that we would take down whatever might be separating us from you, that we would take down any wall that might be around our heart so we can receive from you today your word. We love you. Amen. All right, now I'm looking down at my phone, and I'm not seeing any questions that Justice has, has texted me yet. So um, I'm, you're probably making some comments, but feel free to start interacting as we get into the text a little bit. One of the questions I want to ask is, how do we become imitators of the Lord? See, in this passage, there's this overarching emphasis placed on being an imitator. So how do we become imitators of the Lord? Look, look, the idea of imitation was a big concept back in Paul's time, both for the Romans and the Jews. So it's not unusual when Paul says they become imitators of us and of the Lord. It's not like he's trying to put himself on some level with the Lord. It's not like he's saying, oh, exactly like the Lord and me, we're, we're together. No, he's saying, hey, you, you've got some great examples of people who love Jesus, and you have Jesus himself as an example. Like, imitate those people and imitate Jesus. You know, there might be people in your life, uh, you know, you think, oh, I want to be like this, this person, or I want to be like that person. But see, the thing is, the Jews would actually set about to make that happen. We call that, in some form or fashion, we'd probably call that discipleship. Right? Discipleship. So, when we're talking about imitating people, sometimes it's from afar. You see someone from afar. Maybe you've never even met the person, but you see examples in their life. You see how they carry themselves online, and you want to imitate that. But, but Paul here has primarily in mind people that you've come into contact with, people that you personally know. He knew the Thessalonians, they knew him. So he has that in mind, and he's saying, take their godly qualities and strive to have them yourself. Be an imitator of them as well as the Lord. So who are examples in your life of men and women you can imitate? Follow their example. Strive to imitate them. So that's my first point. Imitate godly examples in your life. Don't, don't just look up to them. Because there's a difference between looking up to someone and striving to be like them. Sometimes you can look up to them. Oh man, they're so great. They're so awesome. They're amazing. And you just kind of, it's almost like an admiration. That's fine. But, but you miss the point of the text here of what Paul wants us to do. Okay? Don't just admire, like see their godly qualities and then strive to have that yourself. So think for a second, if you've had a mentor in your life or, or someone you look up to, other people in your life, what are the qualities that you see that you need to imitate? Alright, one of the ways you imitate others and you imitate the Lord is by tearing down idols in your life. Tearing down idols. Look at verse 9. He says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now some of you are big sports fans. I think some of us are wishing they would have shut down the NFL about four years ago, okay? when the Rams were still here, because they would have saved us a whole lot of awful football, okay? <clears throat> but 
But some of you are sports fans, and ESPN is getting pretty desperate. All right, just this past week, they are broadcasting the National Cornhole Championships. Okay, that's desperate. That's when you got that little beanbag thing and you're you know tossing it like 15 feet and trying to get it into the little hole on the wooden board. I mean, like who watches something like that? Oh, by the way, congrats to the Alpha Hawks for winning the championship. I mean, that was amazing. Last, not that I'm watching or anything. Anyways, anything that occupies our time can become an idol very easily. It can be sports, hobbies entertainment but idols aren't just things we watch or are involved in now think about the life of paul there's no glaring sin or fault that sticks out in paul's life after conversion i mean think about that for a second no glaring sin or fault sticks out in paul's life and and, and what i appreciate about him among many things is he honestly assessed his life Look at 1 Timothy 1. It says in verse 15, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Notice his assessment. He was humble. He realized his position, even to the point of saying he was the foremost. At this point, this is, this is later in his Christian walk. He's writing... Timothy, in 1 Timothy, this is one of the later books he's written, his assessment is he's one of the worst. Why? Because he realized, compared to God, he's in a lot of trouble. So he had an honest assessment. Look at Ephesians 3, you'll see a similar concept. It says this in verse 8, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Notice again what he says, though I am the very least of all the saints. I, I like the humility. He's not, it's not a false humility. This is the Apostle Paul. It's a true humility of, it's kind of a Philippians 2 idea going on. Consider others better than yourselves. Put their interests above your own. Don't think of yourself all high and mighty. Realize what position God has put you in. Here, the Apostle Paul, he's writing scripture, right? Did you let that puff him up? He realized his position before the Lord as his humble servant and child. So, this isn't false humility. This is a, a, a true assessment of where God had the apostle. What about you? Does anything glaring stick out in your life? You're like, oh, oh, who, me? Something glaring? Well, some of you, you probably know what it is already. That glaring thing. And some of you might need someone to help you clue you in, like a good friend or a spouse or a mom and dad. But sometimes we have, we have a glaring thing in our life. It's not pleasing to the Lord. We, we might call it a, a character flaw. But what is that thing... That in order to imitate the Lord, we got to remove. Might be more than one, but let's start with one. So idols um, aren't just possessions or obsessions. They can be attitudes of the heart. It can be a sinful disposition. Think for a moment of making an idol out of authority. 
Some people in positions of authority have made an idol out of their authority, right? They've got the power. They know it. And they wield it like a hammer. This can be true of bosses. This can be true of government leaders. This can be true of husbands. And husbands, if this is true of you, like you need to repent. God gives authority to certain positions in society, in the church, in the home, to lead and govern and love and nurture. Love and nurture. Okay, think of the qualifications for an elder, 1 Timothy 3. Think of those qualifications for a moment. What, what are those qualifications? What's the picture that you, you get of an elder, of a pastor? Someone who's just walking around with the metaphorical hammer, wielding their authority? No. Now, do they need to wield their authority? Yes. Do they need to do it with boldness? Yes. Do they need to do it authoritatively? Of course. But there also needs to be a caring, a compassion, a humility about them. That is what authority with love and servanthood looks like together. So husbands can abuse authority. Actually, wives can abuse and make an idol out of authority as well. How do they do that? Well, they won't recognize their husband's leadership in the home. They won't support it. They won't come under it. They push against it. Well, how is that an idol of authority? Because they've made themselves the authority. They want to occupy a position that God hasn't given them. So if you push back against authority, you're saying something. we got to make sure that any type of idol, any type of idol we have, we end up knocking it down. We end up tearing it down. What did they do in the Old Testament? They, they just ground them up and they burned them. Right? Drastic action has to happen when we're talking about sin. Drastic action has to happen when we're talking about doing work on your soul. Okay? It's not just a little tenderness. Sometimes you got to come in there and let God do some real heart surgery. Finally, I want to talk about redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Look what he says in verse 8. Back in 1 Thessalonians. He says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. Listen, this past week, we've seen entertainers, actors, and actresses. We're learning they got a lot of time on their hands. Okay, duh. Like, all of us have a lot of time on our hands currently. But just wait until schooling starts back up. And parents are now all at home, trying to work. That's going to be a lot of fun, all right? What do we want from our actors and actresses? We want philosophers or entertainers. If they're entertainers, we can't really get upset when they try to entertain. One thing we can do is we can see <clears throat> how hard it is for everyone in this time to figure out what to do. That's why we want to redeem the time wisely. Redeem the time. Now, I'm, I'm looking at my phone here. I, I don't see any text coming through from Justice. All right, so I'm expecting some interaction here. Got a lot of amens. We got a lot of amens, <laughs> I'm being told. Okay, I appreciate that. All right, that encourages me. <clears throat> But if you have any questions, 
Send them, send them through, send them through. Don't try to do any zingers, okay? I've had people try to do that before, like stump the pastor, okay? But, but questions in, engaged in the text would be good. Don't be afraid to throw them out there. Okay, so redeem the time. The Thessalonians used their time wisely. What did they do with their time? They used it to advance the kingdom. They used it to advance the kingdom. So they were kingdom-minded. What did Jesus say in Matthew 6? Put first what? Put first what? The kingdom. Put first the kingdom. So you can choose some specific ways that you can put first the kingdom during this time. Choose things that will help you better imitate Christ and his followers. That's putting first the kingdom. Choose things that will help you tear down idols. That's putting first the kingdom. Choose things that redeem the time. That's putting first the kingdom. Now, I'm going to suggest some radical things for you to do during this time. All right? I'd tell you all to be seated, but you, you probably already are. <clears throat> all right, radical things. Eat meals together. Yeah, I know. It's a radical idea, sadly, in our culture. It really is. Families are better for it. All right, put away the devices. Sit yourselves together. Once this season is over, we don't know how long it's going to last, but once it's over, it's going to get crazy busy again. And perhaps one of the ways the Lord is using this is to kind of make us pause and, and reset things. And kind of make us pause and figure out what's our priorities. And kind of make us pause and put a little more emphasis on the family. I know that's going to look different for, for every family, okay? But eat meals together. Shoot for once a day. Okay? Have family devotions. You ain't got any excuses now, right? So, uh, dads, all right? Time to step up, whip out the Bible, start leading your family through it. Y'all are trapped inside with one another. That's okay. Have those family devotions. Also, let's just be real honest with one another. All right? Uh, some of us haven't been in the Word like we need to. Right? We have not been in the Word. We've, we've got no excuse now. The Lord's like taking away sports for you sports fans. He's taking away different things. There's still some distractions out there. But you got some time. So let, let, let's get in the Word, okay? Here, yes, but in your prayer closet, by yourself. Open up the Word, let the Lord speak to you. Uh, an encouragement along with that, I'm sure, like, uh, as the stock market has crashed, you know, probably some of those Netflix and Voodoo and, and Hulu, those, those prices are probably going crazy. Disney Plus, is everyone signing up for those services? We can still have distractions, but I want to encourage you, do those things. You know what? Do something novel. Read a book, a real good book. You need a book suggestion? I'll give you some good book suggestions besides the Bible. It'll enrich your soul. You can take it just a chapter a day. You will be enriched. I want you to think of one way right now that you can minister to someone outside your home. What's one way you can minister to someone 
outside. It doesn't mean you have to leave your home necessarily, but what's one way you can minister to someone who's not in your home? You know, ministry doesn't stop just because we're confined to a certain area. It doesn't stop. So how can you minister with this new set of circumstances before us? So one way you can minister to someone outside your home, and I want you to do it. Okay, I understand it's limited, but you can and you should minister to others. Look, we have a grocery team that we're putting together to take groceries to the elderly and anyone that gets sick. That's one way. So if you want to be a part of that team, let us know and we'll put you on that list. Use this time, finally, as an opportunity to reset some things that have kind of been out of kilter. Okay, What have you been doing that you probably need to stop? What have you been doing that you probably need to stop? Second, what have you been doing that you need to do less of? What, do you, what have you been doing that you need to do less of? And then third, what have you been doing that you need to do more of? Okay, so those three things. What have you been doing you need to stop? What have you been doing you need to do less of? What have you been doing that you need to do more of? Friends, uh, you know, Andrew and I met uh, with the Mormons a few months ago. I think I shared that a while back. And they wanted to meet again. So it's, a long, it's probably a longer story, but the long story short is, is you know, Andrew deals with uh, some pretty bad headaches. And she was in, in her bed uh, and, <clears throat> and, like, the headache went away which just like that, which it hardly ever does, if ever. And the headache goes away. As soon as it goes away, the doorbell rings. And, and, and the Lord basically spoke to Andrew and said, there's probably either the Jehovah Witnesses or the Mormons at the door, and I want you to meet and talk to them. And lo and behold, who was at the door? The Mormons. So we set up a time to get together with them. We got together, it was like the, uh, towards the, you know, right around Thanksgiving, I say, we got together with them, and they're wanting to get together with us again, and I'm kind of pushing it off, I'm pushing it off, uh, I'm pushing it off, because I'm like, oh, second meeting, do I really want to do it, a lot going on, Andrew's like, nicely bugging me, we got to meet with them again, we got to meet with them again, and I, I'm pushing it off, finally one day, I'm, I'm returning uh, an Amazon package. I'm dropping it off at the UPS store. It's like this big old package. I'm like carrying it in. As I'm carrying it in, uh, I hear I hear someone yelling at me in the parking lot. Mike, Mike! I turn around and, and, and driving by in their car is the Mormons. They're like, hey, we just, just want to say hey, hey, you know? So I'm like, okay, Lord. I'm like, maybe, maybe, okay, maybe we're supposed to meet with them again. Maybe we're supposed to meet with them. Then I get back in the car after I drop the package off, and right then Andrea texts me, and she's like, hey, when are we going to meet with the Mormons? I'm like, all right, Lord, uh, I get it. We'll meet with them. So we set up a time to meet. The first time it was, it was the, you know, the normal two you know, missionaries, uh, the young men. They brought with them a new convert. Second time, um, come to find out later, didn't know it at the time, uh, these two missionaries... Uh, brought the associate pastor and his wife with them to talk to us. <clears throat> so, you know, we're having some back and forth. It's all, it's all good. Um, that kind of wraps up. They want to get together with them again. Uh, the one guy that we had, had been 
I'd say ministering to and, and kind of built a relationship with, we found out that he was getting ready to get transferred to another location. So, um, and he let us know that. So we, we ended up in kind of uh, decided to meet again uh, pretty quickly. But one of the things I told Andrea, I was like, you know, instead of us just meeting and, and like dialoguing and kind of doing maybe some debating, let's just take them out to eat. I'm like, you know, text them and tell me, you know, dinner's on us, wherever you want. You're getting transferred, so, you know, it'll be your, your, your last meal in, in St. Charles County, and, and it's on us. Uh, so she texted, and long story short, um, for a couple different reasons, it, it just they weren't really interested in that. But, you know, it worked out so they could meet with us. So we're like, okay, we'll take what we can get. So <clears throat> they come over. Um, this time, uh, they bring uh, their, their senior pastor with them. <laughs> so we're kind of working up the ladder here, right? Um, and, and all these conversations were extremely friendly. Um, they can get intense sometimes, but ours didn't. And what was interesting to me is as we were wrapping up our time, we, we met for about two hours. We shared the gospel with them. We gave it to them straight. You know, in their system of thinking, um, the vast majority of people go to a heaven of some sort. I mean, they, they said that. You know, I didn't have to pull that out of them. And what I shared with them was, you know, in, in your system, um, pretty much everyone gets in. Um, uh, even the word hell, they're not even real big on using that. And I emphasize to them that, uh, I mean, the word talks a lot about God's wrath. The word talks a lot about punishment. The word talk, Jesus himself talks about hell, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I wanted to emphasize to them that this is a real place. They were kind of watering it down, like really watering it down. Like to the place was like, well, it doesn't even sound like that bad of a place to be. No one's going to be there, but <clears throat> I wanted to emphasize to them that God does send people there. That God's wrath will be poured out on them there. And that the reason that we met, because towards the end, one of them's like, you know, I just want to know, like, why'd you meet with us? It was, it was a really sincere question. The guy that we had been working with and ministering to and, and trying to reach with the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, very sincerely was like, why? Well, I just am curious, like, why did you want to meet with us? Like, what was, you know, and I, and so what I shared with them was, you know, we met initially the first time and, and the reason it took me a long time to set up that second time was I needed to make sure my heart was right before I met with you a second time so that it wasn't about trying to, and I didn't really say it like this to them, but I was concerned about trying to prove them wrong or prove their system wrong. I had to make sure my heart was right that I really loved them and wanted to see them saved. And that's why I kept pushing it off, is I wanted to make sure that, um, one, it was time well invested. Um, two, that my heart was where it needed to be in ministering to these young men. And I just shared that with them. And I, I said, finally, my heart got to that place. And, and we're meeting with you today because we love you. And I am gravely concerned that what you believe, if you continue to believe it, is a false gospel that winds up with you in hell. I believe, and I explained to them, it is an act of love to share that message with people, to be concerned about their eternal soul and where they are headed. It is an act of love. Just like the prophets of old 
right? It's an act of love for God to send Jonah to Assyria, to the capital, Nineveh. That's an act of love to warn people of the judgment that's coming. It gives them an opportunity to change. It gives them an opportunity to repent. What happens in, in Jonah's case? Praise the Lord, man. Like, revival breaks out. You know what we need to be praying? Revival breaks out. You know, some people have been discussing, is this the judgment of God or not? <laughs> That's a different sermon for a different day. But here's the thing. What I do know is God uses the worst of circumstances to save people. He takes the bad and uses it for good. He doesn't take the bad and make it good, but he takes the bad and he uses it for good. What did Joseph say to his brothers towards the end as the story of Joseph is wrapping up with his time in Egypt? You meant it for evil. God used it for good. So what, whatever our thoughts, what I do know and can, can say, without a doubt, God wants to use this time for good. He wants to use it. So how does he want to use you during this time for his good? That, that is what we need to be asking ourselves. Because if we're not careful, we're just going to hunker down. We're just going to self-quarantine. We're just going to race out and race back to Walmart or Aldi's or Schnucks or wherever you're shopping at. And we're going to get really self-focused. And that's the danger. How can we still be salt and light at a time like this. Because friends, now is the time that people need it. Okay? If you have any type of anxiety or anxiousness, that's that's I get that. Okay? I mean, you need to shift your eyes to Jesus, put your hope in him, but I can see people being a little anxious. How much more so people that don't know the Lord? People that think this is the best we got. Right now. It's the here and now. People that are deceived and thinking they got a better life coming and guess what? A better life ain't coming for them. How can we be that salt and light in the here and now? To our friends, to our extended family, to our neighbors. Like we, we still have to shine, friends. We still have to shine. The early church had to shine in the midst of persecution. We have to shine at such a time like this. So I want to encourage us as we're closing up. My three points. One, let's be imitators. Be imitators of godly examples around us and of the Lord. Two, let, let's be willing and humble enough to identify idols in our lives. And then tear them down. Grind them up. Burn them up. Tear down those idols. And then three, let's, let's redeem the time. Let's redeem it for God's purposes, for his kingdom. Put first that kingdom. Let's put it first. And let's see how God is going to use this, not just in our life, but also in our family's life, in our church's life, and in our nation's life. Pray, my friends. Be praying fervorously for those that you know that don't know Jesus. Let's pray for revival. Let's pray.
that God humbles people enough using this virus that when we can finally meet again, I mean, the churches are just overflowing because people can't wait to get back to worship physically with one another. And people, God's been so gracious, it's, it's opened up some people's minds that they just want to go maybe for the first time and be with other people and learn who this God is. I mean, do you believe that can happen? Like, I believe that can happen. I am praying and believing God will do that. Let, let's, let's have a big faith. A big faith. And pray that God would see us through this, that we be ministers of light, and that revival would come. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are a loving and gracious God. Would you open up your open up people's eyes to that fact? Not just a knowledge base, but a true faith. That is instilled into them by your spirit. And we don't just pray that from, a, from afar for, for different people we don't know. But we're praying that for people that we do know, that we do love, that we do care about. God, some people we know, if they get this virus, they're probably not going to make it. So we ask your mercy on those people especially. Those that don't know you. We pray, God, for those people that, that get the virus that don't know you. You'd give them one last opportunity if they're going to die. One last opportunity by a doctor, by a nurse, by a friend, by a family member. One last opportunity to hear your gospel and that they get saved, Father. Deathbed conversions, if that's what needs be, God. But use this virus to shake people up who put their hope in possessions. And put their hope in money to now realize it's a false hope. It's hopeless. That you would show them where true hope is in your son Jesus and no other place. Jesus, we thank you that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. That it's in you that we live. It's in you we have life. It's in you that we have the resurrection life that you have, that you share with us. That regardless of what happens in the next weeks, months, years, decades, you have us. You will be with us. You will walk with us. You are with us each step of the way. Father, we thank you, just like we open this service, that you are the sustainer, you are the helper that you are with us, and that you love us. We pray this with the authority you give us in Jesus. Amen. All right, friends, thanks for joining us. We'll look for some feedback. We'll look for tweaking some things better for next week, and um, appreciate uh, you all uh, being here with us. Love you guys. See you.